0: Who in your life has made the greatest difference and impact on your leadership skills? This week's guest, Chuck Poole, shares how failing as a mentor changed his outlook on being a teacher and the steps he took to become an unforgettable leader. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the leadership development podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Chuck, thank you so
1: much for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here and just chat a bit.
0: Yeah, I love talking to you, and I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I know of your leadership journey just because we've we've spoken about that. But I always love asking my guests about their educational journey, and then for you specifically, I know that you have been in the coaching realm and have been a leader through that. And I'm just wondering what that journey has been.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it, interestingly enough, uh, I've been a coach for in the athletic realm, I guess you could say, for over 20 years. Uh, and that actually started with me as a player. So I had, had the opportunity to play at every level wow. of, of sports and in baseball primarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had the opportunity to go from you know little league all the way up to the minor leagues, which was, which was a lot of fun. But through that experience, I was able to witness a lot of different types of leaders, a lot of different types of leadership. I learned how to, how to do things well, and how not to do things. So I took those nuggets, and brought that into into my world when it came to both coaching and teaching. What I find is that I often blend those experiences, both with my students as well as with my uh, with my athletes, because I kind of look at them all as future leaders. Being a coach for so long and being in the athletic
0: world, what do you take from that to bridge that to the educational space to lead within a campus?
1: I kind of look at it like this. I think to kind of bridge that and bring it in, one thing that I often like to compare it with, and what I often tell anyone that I'm either mentoring or teaching or even coaching is I like to I like to have object lessons, right? So one thing that I always will tell all of my students, I actually start the year off every year with this particular picture is to be a sponge. Because I think every leader needs to be a sponge. And what I mean by that is uh, not only do we need to kind of soak everything in, right? So if I'm on campus and I notice that there are teachers doing some great things, I want to kind of soak that in. I want to learn from that. And uh, I, I let my students know all the time that if you are able to kind of soak all of the knowledge that you can in, it's going to be a fantastic thing, but that's not where a sponge or a leader, ends, right? We don't just soak everything up. And what we need to be able to do then is we we will absorb all of that stuff. But just like a sponge, in order to continually use it, we need to, to squeeze it out, right? So, uh, But when we squeeze that out, it's almost as if everything that's coming out, we are sharing with everyone else so that now we can absorb more to share again. And it kind of goes into a cycle. Uh, an object lesson I like to do is I literally will bring two bowls, one with water, one without. And I'll kind of tell this story. I'll, I'll dip the sponge in and, and kind of, you know, wring it out. And it's interesting to kind of see how one bowl that was once full now becomes empty because I've now filled the other bowl. And I kind of let them know as a leader, that's, that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that we can fill others up, but at the same time, soak everything and learn from others as well, because being a leader, isn't just being the person on stage it's, or serving others. And, And that's kind of, one aspect that I would bring into into the school from that experience
0: no I love that analogy and you you are a campus teacher however I know (laughs) that you make a great impact on your campus and obviously through books and in your podcast and we'll talk about those items later but you know when you're on campus and maybe there's a listener out there that's a teacher and and they don't Mm -hmm. know how to to make that impact in a leadership
1: capacity and maybe they don't even have a title what advice do you have for those folks well, I would say, especially from the teaching side, is to, number one, be open, but also be available. I think uh, one of the biggest mistakes I made early on as just as, as a classroom teacher was I hid behind my door. So I would close the door. And if I had a great idea, or if something I thought was a great idea, I didn't necessarily share it. And if uh, I saw somebody else that had a great idea, I almost had that thing, uh, that attitude, like, well, I need to do I need to one-up them, right? I need to do something better. So the kids are going to think, wow, this is great. And what I ended up realizing was by doing that, by keeping my door closed and trying to one-up everyone else, I was actually really just kind of failing on my own. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I took that step to open my door, I guess you could say, and start sharing and and investing in my fellow teachers, not only did I, I grow personally, but I was able to develop relationships with them. To at this point after 20 years and and luckily I've been able to be teaching in the same building for 20 years So the relationships I've built with my colleagues are it's almost like family and had I had I never opened that door I, I I don't think I'd have the relationships. I have now. I mean even today I get text messages and phone calls if I'm sick from my colleagues. Hey, I hope you're doing well Things like that and I've had the opportunity not only to mentor but also to be mentored and that that would be something I would tell anyone who's an aspiring leader to, to understand that, in my opinion, one of the most important things that you can do as a leader is find a mentor. Mm-hmm. Because without having a mentor yourself, it's very difficult for you to mentor others. Because although you might be feeding somebody and really investing in someone, if you have nobody investing in you and no one that you can do the same with, you're going to kind of, the well's going to go dry, so to speak. So, so those two things I would say are important. Open your door, find a mentor.
0: I want to touch on both those things.
1: (laughs) Okay. So
0: as far as opening a door, did you feel like there was a culture shift as far as opening those doors? And then also like as far as social media, at what point did you open your doors beyond campus and start sharing on social media?
1: Well, first, definitely, there is a fear when opening doors. And there's also, and one thing that I found was at first, there is a defense mechanism, I found that some of my colleagues would would kind of put on. It would almost be as if they thought I was judging them. You know, if I came up and I said, hey, I have something to share, it was kind of, I got that reaction like, well, why am I not doing something well enough? And what I found I needed to do before I could really open my door that way was to build trust. Because without that trust and relationship, of course, it's going to come across as if I'm trying to show you up or I'm trying to to do something like that. So I really think that the first step when opening the door is to allow yourself to be vulnerable and really gain the trust of others before even diving in, right? And one way that I had done that was I accepted the help and asked for the help of other people because I knew and respected them and I knew that they could help me. And when they were willing to, we kind of built that relationship to, to move forward with it. Uh, and then as far as social media, that's another one. And I think for me was actually even a more scary move because on social media, unfortunately, there can be a lot of negative feedback or negative negativity in general when people are kind of hiding behind screen. But what I did find was when sharing on social media, as long as I was willing to be open and honest and, and have dialogue with people that maybe didn't dis, maybe didn't agree with me, but were willing to have civil conversation, uh, building those relationships via social media then became something very valuable to me. I would say I started really on social media sharing about 15 years ago, right? Kind of right. going through some things, but through the years, I got a little bit more brave and, and I found that uh, people were asking me, how I could help them a little bit more by by sharing so essentially that's when I built a couple of these websites and my goal essentially now with social media is to try and uplift encourage and and really kind of help teachers or leaders or any educators in any way that I can whether that be through professional development through an encouraging word whatever it might be it's ultimately my goal in that in that instance
0: and before we touch on those projects, because there's so many things you're doing, so, so many amazing <laughs> things you're doing, I want to talk, touch on the mentorship piece. Was yeah. there someone that you sought out on your campus or did you go to another district or did you go online and <laughs> just try and seek out someone <laughs> that you, you admired or how did that process go?
1: Now, my mentorship journey was actually interesting because early on in my career, I was asked to mentor another teacher. And at the time, I didn't really get what that meant. And basically, I was just asked, you need to mentor this teacher. And they used the word mentor, but really what they meant was kind of to onboard this teacher, right? <laughs> and I did not do, and I did not necessarily do a good job. I had only been teaching for three years at that point. Sure. I was not prepared to do that. And I remember failing miserably as a mentor. The teacher that I happened to mentor was fantastic. So it didn't necessarily make me look bad because right. she was really good but I had failed at that. And then now fast forward about 15 years, I had the opportunity to mentor a new teacher. Uh, I've actually mentored her a couple of years ago, and now we're kind of continuing that relationship. It was a totally different experience. And the reason why was because early on, I personally did not have a mentor myself. So I didn't really even know what that looked like. I was kind of going in without any kind of knowledge. So What I did was I actually was seeking out mentors in the athletic world because that was kind of a a big world for me. And I happened to have a mentor of mine that was a coach, but he was also a teacher. And he kind of walked me through both worlds in how to, to mentor somebody. From there, I then realized, okay, this person is a fantastic mentor, still is one of my mentors. But one piece of advice he said to me was that he really felt that what I needed to do to throughout my life was to have multiple mentors. He said to have one mentor is great, but you're going to go through stages in your life. And in some of those stages, you're going to need different things from different people and to seek those people out based on what I'm looking for at that time, but also what I can give into them as well. What I tend to do is I tend to look for mentors within my school building, you know, so that I can have that daily face-to-face interaction with with those people or that person. But I also like to look, believe it or not, online, so to speak, on social media with certain people that I respect that are willing to, to do a mentor thing. Now with all of these types of tools like Zoom or Voxer or any of these things, I can communicate almost on a daily basis, which is great. And that's kind of helped me now in other aspects of my life with a lot of the stuff that I'm doing here. So I would say, to be honest with you today, I'd say I probably have about three or four people that are mentoring me, which is a blessing yeah. uh, in different areas of my life. And
0: I guess that could translate to the students too. And so I'm just wondering, you know, do you use a mentorship strategy with your students or what is it that you do for leadership development to
1: create young leaders? Yeah, so this is interesting. So I actually, (laughs) I have in in my school, I have what I call a, well, I guess it's a club or a group, but it's not necessarily an official club or group. You know, it's not something that I get a stipend for. It's not something that anyone can sign up for. And it actually was born out of students that I really saw had a big need. Um, one thing is in the middle school where I'm where I currently am, am teaching, what I have found is a lot of times middle school students get lost, you know, especially when they first come in, they may be new to the area, they might have a new, you know, they might be new to the school, they might have lost their friends, whatever it might have been. And this was born out of that. And basically what, it, what we call it is we call it the underground. And it was kind of modeled after the London Underground. The kids had named it that. Yeah. I don't know why. But basically the the, the point of it, it came to be because I, there was four girls that were eating lunch right before Christmas break. And uh, they were all by themselves at, at a lunch table. None of them were talking. And I happened to be in the lunchroom. So I walked over to them, asked them how they were doing. They were, And they weren't really chatting or anything like that. And long story short, I asked the one girl, I said, you know, where's everybody else? Because our lunch tables fit 12 people and there was only four. And they had said, this is where they eat now because they don't have any friend. And that to me kind of broke my heart a little bit. So I on the spot had said, well, the reason why I came and sat down was because I picked the four of you for a very unique and secret." club that I'm putting together after Christmas break and I'd like to know if you're interested. Well, as soon as I said that, their faces perked up. Of course, they were so excited. And I told them that it took place during lunch, uh, which made them even more excited. Now, the reason I did that was because I didn't want them in an environment where they didn't feel welcome. So needless to say, I had no idea what this club was going to be. (laughs) Uh, And then, then we went on break and the first thing they did, they came back right on January 2nd or whenever we came back and all four of them ran up to me in my classroom and they had asked me if the club was starting. And I still had no idea how this club was going to work, but I told them sure. So we had met for the first time. And basically, what I had said was, and, and I'd formed this as a mentor group. And I told them, I said, this is a place where we're going to essentially uh, learn how to be good people. And they were really excited about it. They didn't quite get it at first. And we had missions. And essentially, what I was doing was teaching them how to be leaders in the school. So the, the first week went by and I gave them their first mission and that was to you know to do some some kindness things to, for some other people but also um, just to talk to people in general and I had given them specific things. So they had done that and then the next week they came back and they brought four more people that they felt really could be a good part of this group. I said, okay. And event, essentially it became 12 kids all together and we would meet every single week, we still do, and we would meet at lunch. I would sit down and we kind of would talk about different things that leaders do well and how to lead well and the the cool thing is now they are in seventh grade so now it's been over a year and they are all 12 of them now are leaders on our campus which is really cool to see you know some of them are leaders in the student council others of them are leading in other areas but they're all doing really well in their in class but they're they're the ones going around the hallways and really kind of making a difference in our school and it's really cool to see that they were at one point just really down, yeah. really kind of lost and now they're not. And, and this little underground club that we call it uh, has kind of become this little mini phenomenon in the school, even though it's secret. The, the thing that I told them because they were the original 12 uh, this year before, before we had to, to break a bit, their goal this year was to mentor others so that by next year when they're in eighth grade, they're gonna run the group for the younger kids it's kind of a, a stepping stone. So they're excited. They've already been mentoring some sixth graders. It's just become a really awesome thing to see. Mm-hmm. So that's been one way of we've kind of brought in mentorship and leadership into uh, into school. I love that story.
0: It just shows like <laughs> something so s- spontaneous. <laughs>
1: yeah. Into
0: such a, such a huge peace for these girls. And now it's turning into something that's going to impact the entire campus at some point with the cycle growing. So um, I absolutely love that story. And yeah, definitely anyone listening that doesn't have a leadership development for students, a program of any sorts, like you need to make one right away. Because like you said, how powerful is that for for the kids to have ownership of that? All right, man, I want to talk about all of your different projects because you've got yeah you've got a list you gotta go through because you are making a huge impact. First off, let's talk about your book. Unfortunately your roadmap to being the teacher that they never forget. And that concept just in the title is amazing. But for our listeners who may not have read your book before, can you just give a quick synopsis?
1: Yeah. It's basically the goal behind the book and interestingly enough, I know that the title is a little bit bold. In saying, you know, this is a book to teach you how to be the teacher they never forget But the book itself is not a book of stories about me or How to, you know, any adventures or, or things that I have done personally right. uh, Essentially, it, it touches on some different areas that make teachers unforgettable But each chapter gives specific action points that, that you can take in order to make these practices happen, right? So it talks about building relationships with yourself, with your students, with your content, because I think as a teacher, that's important, mm-hmm. um, and with yourself. So it really talks, it hits on all four of those aspects pretty well, and walks you through how to, to do that so that you're, you can be unforgettable. Because I don't really feel that we can be unforgettable unless we are in tune with with ourselves, with our content, with our students, with our colleagues, right? Um, I think a lot of times we kind of think, well, a teacher can be unforgettable in many different ways, which is true. But I also think there's people that say, well, you know what, I can't possibly be unforgettable. I don't, I don't teach like this person or I don't teach like that person. And uh, the book itself kind of tries to squash that myth. Right. It it kind of wants people to understand that it doesn't matter if you're the most dynamic person in the world or you're not. What makes you unforgettable is the fact that you are distinctly you and what you bring to students is extremely unique and no one else can bring exactly what you do to them. And that kind of goes for leadership as well. Right. Sometimes in leadership, we kind of think, well, wow, this person has developed this amazing program here. or This person has been able to do this. But in reality you know, as a leader, the people that we lead and the people that I said, essentially, you could say are following us um, are doing so because of the uniqueness that we bring to them. Uh, and that's kind of what the book itself overall kind of brings home. Yeah. So you also are a podcaster, Chuck,
0: and you have a <laughs> podcast called teach on me talks. So I love getting
1: the origin stories of podcasts. <laughs> so okay, can you just tell me kind of where that originated from. Yeah, so that one originated just from, interestingly enough, my thoughts. I'd have these random thoughts of like uh, of basically just wanting to make comparisons, and they kind of came from my walks, right? So like I I personally am a person that likes to walk. Now I've kind of picked up running, but yeah. I really would like to walk for about an hour a day. And during those walks, I would think of strange things, but I would relate them in my mind to teaching, since that's what I'm doing. Uh, and they would come anything from from streetlights to the gutters and and I would kind of think, wow, how does this relate? And eventually I thought, you know what, let me just put some of these little thoughts into a podcast. Now, see, my podcast is a little bit different in that they're very short episodes. So some of them are two-minute timeout for teachers. So that's basically literally, although it's called two-minute timeout, they're about four-minute episodes. But the majority of them are under seven minutes, right? So some are maybe 10, but most of them are under seven. The other reason why was because at the time when I had written the podcast... I had only only lived five minutes from my school. So uh, now I live further, but I had lived five minutes from my school. And I thought, you know what? When I'm going to work, I only have five or 10 minutes to listen to something. So if I wanted to dive into a podcast that was longer, I always had to wait. So I thought, well, let me, why don't I just create something that this would be perfect for someone in a commute that's very short or somebody as a teacher, maybe on my lunch break, I just want to listen to something that I can get from start to finish that's going to encourage or inspire me in some way. that's kind of how it started, because my goal was, you know, what I just want to encourage and inspire others. And if someone wants to hear what's in my brain, then great, (laughs) you know, and I kind of put it out there. So yeah, it did well. So it's it's not like um, interview based, it's literally just me for a couple minutes on your commute to bring you encouragement. And there's stuff on there with leadership, as well as just life in general type of advice.
0: Yeah. Definitely check out his podcast, Teachonomy Talks. And then let's talk about another project that's at a much grander scale and is coming out. A lot of information is coming out
1: right now about it, the Teacher Success Summit. What's that all about? Yeah. So basically what that is, and we're we we are calling it now, I guess you could say the teacher success school. And we run the teacher success summit. It's all one, it's all combined into one. And the the vision behind that is to provide leaders, teachers, anyone in education with an opportunity to learn and grow from other leaders in education. Right now we have over 80 different sessions, well over 70 speakers and they just keep coming in. And again, along those same lines of my podcast being a little bit shorter, most of the sessions are 20 minutes or under. Some are 10 minutes or under and they're they're basically designed for busy educators to learn and grow in a way that is very valuable. And some of the speakers that we have on there are just really well sought after speakers, people that you'll see at conferences speaking. Um, and they're giving their their time and knowledge to help invest in educators. But at the same time, we also have teachers that have never stepped on stage presenting as well. And that that's a key component for me to have included in there because I want people to see that that value comes no matter if you're in the the classroom itself or if you're talking to 25,000 people on stage, we all have something important to say and we can learn from one another. Yep. So this this project is massive. It, it, it <laughs> definitely takes on quite a bit. It, it actually, this has an interesting origin story as well. It didn't have anything to do with teaching per se, but I was actually with a very close family friend of mine. And interestingly enough, he had, he's an Apple guy. I don't know if you're an Apple person or not, oh, but so. he had his iPhone and, but what he had done was his daughter wanted to play a game on his iPhone. So she had come over and we were chatting and he said, uh, she said, dad, can I borrow your iPhone? I want to play a game. And he said, no, you can't. <laughs> and I thought, okay, <laughs> that was harsh. And so she dejectedly drops her shoulders. She starts to walk away and he says, no, wait, just wait one second. And she she turns around and he pulls out his iPad. He said, but you can use my iPad and her eyes, you know, lit up. And, and it was amazing to see, because he did that as an object lesson, I think for me. But he said, you know, sometimes people come in, and they're asking for an iPhone. But our job is to provide them an iPad, yep. right? So we want to make sure that we give them something that maybe they're not expecting, but definitely something they deserve. And that's kind of where this this teacher success school was born, right? Yep. It was, I want to try and give educators and iPad, so to speak. <laughs> that's what we're trying to do. So that, yeah, that, although a big undertaking, I think that I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people really get some immense value out of it.
0: That's awesome. And there's a secondary piece too that's kind of connected with that, which is the teacher success school.
1: Yeah. And so the teacher success school basically is where we'll house everything that has all the sessions in it. But the, the neat thing about it is new sessions are consistently added. Our last summit, we had a ton of people on it. And our next big summit, we're we're expecting to have another ton of people on it to speak. Once that summit ends, we put everything right into the Teacher Success School. So it gives access for teachers to be able to come in, learn, continually learn from these sessions, and then at the same time, get more content that's coming in. Uh, One thing that we added currently is a health and fitness type of aspect to it, especially because what we found is that we need to as teachers take care of ourselves. We yeah. need to make sure that we're moving. We're making sure that we ha- we can settle down and have, you know, self care. So we put in some yoga, we've put in some Tabata, like, and the goal though, is not to have these long workouts. Mm-hmm. It's more things under 10 minutes so that if, if I wanted to jump on there at lunch and just get a quick sweat, I can, if I wanted to just do a quick five minute yoga session to calm myself down, I can, and you don't have to dedicate an hour to it to do that. So Uh, The goal of it is not to, you know, replace a gym, it's to really kind of access those things to, to get moving, and then continue right on the same site with your professional development and learn from these people. So we kind of want to make this for the whole teacher and the whole educator from every aspect of life. So that's kind of how the teacher success school is growing, and of course, making it so that teachers all around the world could access it.
0: Well, and that sounds like a really amazing resource right now, during our the time that we live in where we're social distancing and talking about mental health. I mean, that's a key time right now where, you know, people are really struggling and a lot of folks have things going on with stress, anxiety, whatnot. So, you know, having that yoga and exercise plus then also learning online. Do you have any distance learning topics on there?
1: Yeah. So this is what's really cool. We've actually just to kind of help teachers during this time, the speakers that have been on the summit in the past, as well as new speakers that have come in and just have been willing to do this, we're creating a bunch of mini sessions. So basically a mini session is usually under 10 minutes, all dedicated to everything remote teaching or remote learning. Right now, just this week, we had 30 come in, right? So I'm getting them up on the site as quickly as I can. Um, And we still have more sessions coming in. So it's actually quite cool to see all of these new all of this new content coming in directed specifically for remote teaching. And that's one thing that I've gotten a lot of responses from people that have gone into the school saying, "Wow, I can't believe that we can just come in right away and, and learn some of these things." And it, and it the topics range from, you know, leadership from a distance, mentorship from a distance to specific tools you could use to helping kids with special needs from a distance. So like there's right. it's a, it's kind of got the whole gamut of things from people. And one thing that I've realized, I guess you could say as a leader, is that I'm not the smartest person in the room usually ever. <laughs> and that's kind of why that's why I designed the school the way I did, because I knew that I personally couldn't just put together something by myself and and teach everything out of my own brain. I needed to have the people that are smarter than me um, surrounding me and, and, and other teachers to kind of pour their knowledge in. And that's kind of what I guess the secret sauce of everything really is. And that's what's so exciting about this distance learning thing. Cause I'm going in learning all these cool things that I can implement right away. And so are so many other people.
0: And so just in conclusion, Chuck, you know, you talk about in your book and you've kind of mentioned it through here of, as far as our influence for the future, you know, for our aspiring leaders, if they could do something tomorrow to make an influence in education or, on their campus or in their district, what is one thing that they could go away and do?
1: I would say if you you could do one thing immediately that would be, I would say, tangible, as a leader, I would say to make it a point to invest in at least one person. And the reason why I say one person and what I mean by invest is to simply reach out and begin that relationship with them or continue the relationship with them but build it in a way that it becomes more of a mentorship friendship than it does strictly professional. Yeah. One reason why I, I think that, especially during this time, one of the things that's impacted me the most is we've been home for over a month, you know, without being able to go anywhere and every single week without fail, which has been, which has been really nice. I have one particular colleague who sends me a text every single Friday, just to check in and says, you know, Hey, how are you doing? And this, this past Friday, she gave me a call and she just said, you know, I just want you to know that um, I'm going to be sending, sending something your way this next week. And I said, okay, cool. I don't know what that's going to be, but (laughs) she's going to send something. She wanted my address. I said, okay, that's fine. But the thing that impacted me the most with that was that she took the time to reach out and let me know that she cares about me beyond the school walls. So I would say that the the thing for any aspiring leader or any leader currently, I know we are all extremely busy but to show somebody that you care about them beyond the school walls uh, will go a lot further than you think when you come back inside the school walls. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something, that would be my advice to do that, whether it be one person or a couple of people, just take the time to reach out and let people know that they are valuable to you and that you're there for them. Chuck, how can they connect with you on social media? Yeah, uh, you can connect with me either by going, I'm on Twitter, it's at Pool 27 pool like a swimming pool with an E at the end. Uh, so I'm on Twitter there. You could find me at either teachonomy.com or myteachersuccess.com, which is where the school is held. Uh, or of course, I'm on Facebook. If you just were to look up teachonomy on Facebook, you'll be able to find that Facebook page as well. So really any of the social, social media platforms, I'm pretty much on there consistently more so twitter than anything else but or my website but yeah feel free to reach out you know i have an open on twitter anyone can message me so you don't have to follow me or not you can simply send me a message so be happy to talk to anyone yeah
0: definitely connect with chuck he is a wealth of knowledge and chuck as always it's such a joy to talk with you and learn from you thank you so much for being on the aspire podcast
1: yeah thank you it's been an honor it's been fun